0: Welcome to the dangling conversation. I'm your host, Noah Burgdorf, and here I have a special guest sitting down with my grandpa wetrick. You can say something.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you, Noah. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, I kind of wanted to record this because um, it's just like a way to fe- like keep track of family history. That's pretty simple. So, um, I guess starting off, like, what's your name? Where are you from? And what did you do for a living? Okay,
1: well, wow. it's Charles, but I go by Chuck, middle initial J, last name Wetrick.
0: What does J stand for?
1: J John. 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 Okay, John. Okay. Uh huh. And that's uh, you need a spelling on that name. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and what was that, the question, what do Where I do? Where are you from, and what okay, did you do for Well, career. let's see, I was born in Indianapolis, lived in Indianapolis all my life, except for maybe the last 20-some-odd years when we moved to Greenwood, which was all two miles farther south. <laughs> uh, so not a big move by any means. Um, went to Manual High School in Indianapolis, Southside School, uh, after graduation, attended indiana state university where at that time uh keep in mind i'm old it was indiana state teachers college oh wow which was my purpose of going there and that's another story into myself which i can elaborate on i guess but um earned my bachelor's degree there and i graduated from high school in 1960 bachelor's degree in 1964 and immediately, actually, even before graduation, signed a contract to teach at my home high school. Uh, and I signed that contract in February. And, of course, I didn't graduate until June. But uh, industrial arts teachers, which was what it was titled to at the time, but way before the technology terminology came along, uh, we were in short supply. So I had no trouble at all signing yeah. a contract. Um And uh, then, anyway, upon, uh, well, actually, in graduation in June, uh, taught summer school at uh, George Washington High School in Indianapolis during the summer. And every afternoon, two other teachers and myself would drive back to Terre Haute and take a graduate class. And uh, that, along with maybe I had one class, a graduate class, while I was finishing my bachelor's that last semester but that along with then starting in the fall uh, to teach at Manual, And actually, just before that, taught summer school, got married in August. Okay. So it was quite an eventful summer. <laughs> uh, started teaching then in the fall and immediately took an a, um, extension class through the university uh, at a different high school location. The professors would drive over from Terre Haute and teach a class, an extension class. And then that first summer, spent the summer, two different summer terms, working on my master's. And uh, long story short, by 1966, I had completed my master's degree. And that was pretty much, in summary, how I got started, I guess. Um, in, uh after completing the master's in... Uh, 1966 Um, pretty much started right away then taking some classes at Butler University uh, Mm -hmm. which took another two years and I uh, earned another um, uh, let's see I guess it was 30 hours beyond my master's and got my counseling uh, degree counseling education and as well as my driver training certification Okay, <laughs> both of which paid off big because I taught driver ed in the summer, mm. uh, which was a good summer school position. Got me out of the building and into a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I liked that a lot.
0: Yeah. So, what was the title that you said you guys were in short supply?
1: <clears throat> Industrial arts so, education, which yeah. was my major in college. Actually, uh, <clears throat> it was at that time. I'd probably totally different now, but it was called a 60-hour special. So instead of having a, a major and minor, it was just all industrial education. And I really started out with the idea of getting a minor in mathematics. Oh, wow. And uh, I had a you know college-level algebra class and a college-level trigonometry class, and finally realized then, hey, in order to do this in four years, I'd have to take 18 hours. And that was way beyond my capabilities, <laughs> 18 hours. Uh, got a granddaughter that's done that. But anyway, <laughs> I dropped the idea then of getting the uh, math minor. And uh, because of that, what was called special, I was then licensed to teach every area that was offered in industrial education, oh, wow. which was kind of wide-ranging. Um, never really had to teach in, in all the other areas. My area, main area was... Uh, In uh, mechanical drawing, sometimes called drafting, and also in uh, machine shop. And so that was my main teaching area for the first four years. And by the time then that I had finished at Butler and had my counseling certification, they uh, offered me a position or wanted me then to become part-time counselor. So I was still teaching uh, in industrial education, but also then half the day, excuse me, um, in in uh, guidance. Yeah. Uh, in, in within all within the same school. So what would that look like to do machine shop kind of work? Because that's not something in public schools that they do anymore. Correct. Yes. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly in uh, dire need, and and the school that I taught, which was Manual High School. Mm -hmm. uh, had a, we had 12 teachers in the department, all of, all of which pretty much had their own specialty, but all of the shop areas were in full capacity every period of the day. Wow. And so because of that, there was normally two teachers in each area. Uh, they had to, because one teacher couldn't teach all day. They had to have prep time, lunch duty, whatever and so there was normally two teachers in in each area and um my goodness the the number of people in the area that i taught uh which i can't get total credit for because the teacher that uh, i worked with was my teacher when i oh, went through oh, wow. high school yeah and he was the reason hearkening back to what i mentioned before i really had the intention of becoming a tool and dime maker and the teacher I had uh, just thought for sure I ought to be a teacher, and so that's how I got started down that path, uh, rather than a tradesman. Did you? Did you? You wanted to be a tradesman before? <clears throat> yeah, I was gonna be a tool and die maker. Yeah, that, a what? The tool and die maker. That's a tool and die maker is someone that designs tools and dies. It's in the <laughs> it's in the machine <laughs> trades area. Okay. Uh huh. Uh, you know, they have, like, in a, a stamping operation, somebody has to design and build the die
2: oh. that, that the
1: stamping operation takes place. And many other things, too, uh, making tools for for um, machine lathes and that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> I never regretted it because the teaching area suited me real well in terms, I guess, of personality. And, mm-hmm. uh, gee, for the 36 years that I taught and and was in counseling, I never dreaded a Monday morning of going to work oh, wow. uh, and even the very last year that I retired i didn't you know i didn't I didn't have the days counted down that I retired i you know i I retired in good terms did you <laughs> miss it before when you I burnt out <laughs> yeah, did you miss
0: it when you retired?
1: uh no, not really. I just knew in my mind uh, that you know it was just time to do it. Yeah, uh, time to retire. So no, I never looked back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you enjoyed retirement? What's that? Because that's
0: that's something that a lot of my friends and I we're 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 beginning to enter the workforce. Sure. And that's something that obviously is like oh that's this stage that's the next stage that's that's what's coming. Right. So retirement in our mind is just. Oh. so far-fetched. Right. How, how, how different is life?
1: Well, I've, when I first retired, I realized, and I guess I hadn't really thought much about it before, but it was like six Saturdays and a Sunday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the way I viewed it. I mean, you know, I made my own schedule, and, and uh, I just have never, I'm always active doing things, but I, I enjoy doing yard work, Working in uh, in the garage on my uh, classic car and so forth, mm-hmm. so uh, it was just very relaxing. Uh, no pressure or anything. Not that I necessarily felt a lot of pressure when I was teaching. As I said, I I didn't have any uh, qualms about going to work every Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just I just knew it was time, and I think that's probably true of everybody. Uh, when it's time to retire, they just have that notion. I mean, sometimes it's a forced retirement. That was never the case for me, but uh, I just knew it was time.
0: What is your classic car?
1: What is... uh... Oh, well, I have uh, my favorite is a 1956 Chevrolet, which was not the first car I had, but it's like the first car I had. Okay, And that was the one that I uh, uh, purchased uh, late in my senior year of high school. And, of course, drove it back and forth, had it through, well, through the first, I guess, two years of college. And then it kind of become worn out. <laughs> and uh, I bought a, a different car. That was At that time, it was a 59 Chevrolet. But anyway, the 56 was the first car I owned. And so when I had the opportunity to buy a classic car, why that's what I was looking for. It yeah. was another... 56 Chevy, kind of a nostalgia thing, right? Is it identical to the one I had? No, it's not. Different color and so forth, but yeah, um,
0: is that the black one? Yeah, the black that and black white one, one. That was uh-huh. really nice. Yeah, and yep. you also have a blue one, right? Yeah, that, one uh, is that? a
1: dark blue uh, '67 Camaro. Okay. Yeah, and okay. that was one that I never owned. I just bought it. Actually, I bought that right at retirement time. Um, long story short, I didn't. I had a 57 Chevrolet, and I was just ready to move it on and sold it, and uh, didn't know what I was going to buy in the meantime, and just kind of happened to get the idea of maybe buying a Camaro, and uh, some fellow at, at a car show had one for sale, and I looked at it and so forth, and thought about it. and he, Ran it by Grandma. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Part uh, of that thought process. That's right. I see it right. And he had it for sale, but he lived in Bedford, so I drove down there and had the opportunity to drive it, because when I looked at it that he had at the car show, it was just about turning dark, and he wanted to get back home, so I didn't have the chance to drive it. Mm-hmm. So I drove down to Bedford and, and, uh, and drove it there, and long story short, bought it and so forth. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you also said you,
0: you graduated, you got your grad your counselor degree in 66, right? 68.
1: 68, okay. Yeah. Uh, I said then, 66. That was my master's. That was and your master's. And then my guidance. I don't, I probably didn't say that correctly. Then another two years at Butler uh, right. University where I got my counseling certification. That was 68. Okay, and, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so and then you had Mom and Uncle Don... Mom was in 70, right? Correct. Was Uncle Don 74? Two. 72. Two. two okay. Two. okay. Uh-huh. Did, they, did they ever take your classes? Because they were at the same school, right? No. No. They were at a different school.
1: Right. By that time, uh, your grandmother and I lived in Perry Township, which was outside of Indianapolis schools. Um. And so they went to, well, Perry Township Elementary, Middle, and then also then Perry Meridian High School where they graduated and i at that point i was of course still at manual
0: okay so how come how come they never like went to school
1: with you well they didn't live in the district at that time, oh is that, is that just how that works yeah oh, at, that, okay. at that time you had to go to the school that you lived the the district that you lived in oh. there was you know unless they did have opportunities to pay tuition At that particular school and go to a different school, which is totally different now. You can go wherever you want to, but you have to provide your own transportation. And most of the kids that went to Manuel High School, it was still pretty much a walk-in district. Mm. They did have city buses that came to the school, but they didn't have the yellow buses, often called Twinkies, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that, uh, that, that serviced the school. But they had city bus service. Okay. Uh, but it was still a pretty large walk-in district. And, of course, then where we lived, uh, where Uncle Don and your mom lived, they did have buses because it was a, a wider-ranging district. And uh, they probably had some kids that walked to school, but the vast majority were riding the, the, the big yellow buses yeah. to school.
0: Right. did you did you ever think about getting a job to be at their school or were you pretty settled in well
1: no um, I did and I interviewed and had the opportunity to be the Dean of boys at the high school that your mother and Uncle Don would have attended they were at that point they were still in the middle school and um, At that time, I was still at manual, and I was teaching night school Mm -hmm. and teaching summer school. Had I changed and and taken the job in the Perry Township system, it would have been that only. I wouldn't have been teaching summer school. I wouldn't have been teaching night school, so I was going to have to take a pay cut. Um. And so I thought about that, and the other thing is to be the dean of boys and be in the school that my— son and daughter were attending wouldn't have been wouldn't have been real good for them so i passed that up yeah so that was the only thought i had about doing it it was a a passing idea that i didn't follow up on i was offered the job but i passed
0: okay Uh uh-huh so what was it like what's it been like watching your kids grow up because something i've talked to my dad a lot about Uh is like well you know he knows he knows his dad as dad Right. But I know him as a grandpa, and I'll never have that relationship. And But also, it's just weird to think about that. Like, one day, I will have a son who views my father not as father, but as grandpa. And the connotations that come with that. What's mm-hmm. it been like watching well, your kids go from diapers and toddlers to suddenly?
1: Well, it's all happened... Very quickly, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, in fact, at the time of retirement, which is kind of ties into what you're asking, uh, they kind of had a lay an exit, not interview, but uh, all of the teachers were gathered uh, in a multi-purpose room, and there was several of us retiring at the same time, mm. and that was something <clears throat> that I mentioned. Them, you know, I'd been in it for 36 years, and I just couldn't believe how quick. Thirty-six years has passed, yeah. And for young people, I think they understood. The teachers understood, uh, maybe not necessarily believing it because they maybe were into it for four or five years, and to think, wow, he's been doing that for thirty-six years. Uh, but you know, young people, you know, with, just couldn't fathom the idea of thirty-six years passing very quickly. Yeah. But it did, and the same thing with uh, with having children. They. At the time, you don't think about it. Uh, It's a little bit like, not necessarily a good analogy, but you plant a tree, and it's very small, and you're anxious for it to grow, and all of a sudden, it's gotten too big, and it should have been trimmed years (laughs) ago. It's kind of that way with kids. Not that they should be trimmed, but all of a sudden, they're older than you realize they are, and that time just passes very quickly. And then uh, they get married, and they have their own family, so. and then their own family. All of a sudden, they're older than you realize they are. <laughs> We're where are graduating where college? Did, where did those years go to? Yeah, uh, and it's you know, uh, long story short, and everybody's probably heard the story before. Life is short. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, and the older you are, the quicker it goes. Yeah, uh, I've been retired now for mm, twenty-one years, and uh, wow, it's. Hard for me to fathom how quick twenty-one years have have passed by. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> What's a? Uh, you got any funny
1: Uncle Don or mom jokes Story. stories? Well, you know, I just again the older you get, the more you start, I guess, reminiscing and so forth. But I remember so many of the things. That both your mother and uncle Don said as as young kids mm-hmm. that were extremely funny mm-hmm. uh are cute right more cute than necessarily funny, but uh that you know uh, your grandmother and I both remember very well, and uh they just you know they stick with you, yeah, as they've gotten older, you don't remember those things necessarily because when they're young they're real cute things yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> how is how has their <clears throat> because that's one of the things like we see with David and Gracie our little cousins is just like oh like they kind of have similar personality traits as little babies as like David just turned 8 a couple days ago mm-hmm. like was there ever something where like as a kid you see that and now you still see like my mom or Uncle Don, we're like, yeah, I can understand why you turned out the way that you turned out. Does that make sense?
1: Uh, yeah, it does. And of course, when they're real young, their personality is just forming, right? And so you know, as they grow older, those things change. Although there's, I think, basic personality traits that that uh, stick stick with them because yeah. they're basic. Uh, your Uncle Don is pretty similar in personality (laughs) to my father oh really my father would say never knew a stranger yeah and uh he was pretty outgoing and so forth and that kind of describes uncle don uncle don yeah more so than me more Mm. so than me i think my personality was probably more like my mother's Mm -hmm. when i was young my dad and i looked quite a bit alike i don't think as i got older uh you know i've changed too. not considering loss of hair, but just (laughs) in terms of uh, appearance. And I can't really say that I looked like either one of them. But, um, um, yeah, I think I probably took on more of the personality of my mother Mm. than my dad. Uh, Although, kind of a combination. And I kind of think, and I've told your Uncle Don that too, and maybe your mother also, I think uh, your grandmother and I both feel like that they both got the best of both of us Mm. which we're thanking God for right right, right. <laughs> uh, and so but um, yeah I um, both of them uh, of course Don uh, your uncle Don and 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 your mother were you know I'd say different in personality but basically they're pretty similar they're both loving people yeah and uh, very social yeah And that, you know, that's never changed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even as little kids on through now, certainly adulthood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, I've got one more question before you transition to like family history stuff. Sure. But uh, something I've always wondered is, what did you, what did you think of my dad when you first met him? Because he always talks about his, his Cutlass Supreme with no rear view mirrors and whatever. And. Just this junky, old <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. So.
1: Oh my gosh! When he first started uh, dating your mother, and of course they met at Miram Church Camp, yeah, and that they were both fairly young then, they weren't dating, but they that's how they met each other. Mm-hmm. And then later as they got older, is of course, when they start dating, but um, your dad would uh, leave uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm and drive probably first of all to his home there in Mount Vernon, but then up to uh, south side of Indianapolis to see your mother. And yeah, right, he had this, I think, a 77, no, maybe 74 cutlass that was, yeah, really pretty much a piece of junk. (laughs) (laughs) It had a a, a very pungent, uh, moldy smell to the trunk. Uh, (laughs) When did you
0: ever smell the trunk?
1: Well, he, he, your dad would open it up to put luggage in when he was uh, going back and so forth. <laughs> and I guess I didn't realize it didn't have a rearview mirror. That would have made worried me even more. Yeah. But it would it would always concern me that, oh, yeah, he's going all the way back to Bowling Green, Kentucky in this. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. But, <clears throat> uh, you know, certainly your dad was a very respectful young man. And, of course, in college at the time. And, but when he decided that he wanted to marry your mother, why, we kind of had an inkling that that was coming on, and he was there to visit with us, and uh, he really never particularly popped the question. He left, and we thought, well, I guess we played that wrong, or had that uh, uh, sized up wrong. Yeah. He was gone maybe, probably not even a half an hour. All of a sudden, he come back, and... (laughs) kind of summoned me into the other bedroom and asked for my permission for your mother's hand in marriage Aww. and we were thrilled yeah we were thrilled <laughs>
0: wait so why did he leave and then come back I
1: well I to build up his courage I guess <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was well I think he was ready to pop the question but just kind of reluctant to do so yeah and I you know I thought I was a pretty easygoing guy I'll, yeah but you know there's some fear and intrepidation, I guess, <laughs> of, of actually asking the question, but uh, and I said, of course, right away. Yeah. yeah, there was no hesitation on our part. No, that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, one of the one of the things that we've been very fortunate and blessed with is the fact that, like, we know a lot of our family history. We have a lot of uh, like the legal official documents, right? Of. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk about that. Talk about like what you know of our family.
1: Well, uh, on my side you're referring to, the Wentrick side? Yes. Because that's, yeah, okay. Well, uh, my great-grandfather uh, transitioned from Europe to, and uh, I only know this because I have the Declaration how is it titled? The Declaration of Allegiance okay. to the United States. And uh, he, we always were told uh, that they came from an area called Alsace-Lorraine, which is, through history, has been back and forth. It's either been French-controlled or German-controlled, mm, okay. and also right on the border of Switzerland. Well, on the, uh, this paper, which I have the original of, um he, being my great-grandfather, left uh, what was on the documents of Switzerland in 1846. Okay. And apparently, because it took him two months <laughs> on he, before they disembarked on the port of New Orleans, mm-hmm. which we really don't know why, you know, he didn't come in <laughs> through Ellis Island like so many did. Yeah. We thought maybe it was a like a tramp steamer. You know, it might have been a commercial ship. We don't really know. And I right. suspect there would be a way to research that, which I haven't done. But that took two months. And uh, that was 1846. Then I'm not sure how much time uh, he spent in that area. But 10 years later is when this document was labeled or dated uh at Madison, Indiana. They come up the Ohio River from mm. New Orleans yeah. and uh declared his allegiance to the United States, giving up his citizenship, what then said Switzerland, mm-hmm. uh and uh that was eighteen fifty six. So okay. that was a ten year period in there. And he, according to that, again the document, and I'm not sure how accurate some of those things were back then. Uh, judging by his signature, I'm not even sure how literate he was. Yeah, because it was very. Of course, it's an old document, and it was like done in pen and ink. I don't. I don't imagine it was a quill. <laughs> I don't know what right. they had back then. Right. But uh, it was dated 1856. I forget the month, and that's immaterial. But uh, so he, they that was at Madison, Indiana. So they come up the Ohio. Then yeah. he had a brother that came at the same time. I don't have that documentation, but his brother then went on to Cincinnati. Oh, wow. And, and they all settled, they being that side of the family, settled in the Cincinnati area. But then the other um, peculiar part about it, somehow the name got changed. Yeah. Instead of being, as I've been named, W-E-T-T-R-I-C-K, which my father, which was the youngest of 14— Oh my gosh. All spelled at Wetrick, but on this paper it was spelled W E D, W, yeah, W E D R I C, either H or K, Vedrick. Okay. Somehow it got changed to Wetrick. We don't, like more Americanized. We I guess. don't really know, but <clears throat> your Uncle Don, through some of his own research, and I don't know how he discovered that, uh, ran into someone with the spelling W-E-D-R-I-C, either H or K, he could tell you, uh, in uh, Southern California. Oh, my gosh. And she, because of the uh, significance or the, the uh, relationship between the spelling of the two names, she started doing a lot of research and decided that we're related. Oh wow! Uh-huh. So there's Vedrich is up in uh, Washington State, and there in California, uh, I think even Nebraska. Wow! So I mean, we're going way back. Yeah. Obviously, eighteen fifty six, but um, <clears throat> so that's that's where they uh, uh, came from originally, and uh, his son, which which was uh, Joseph... Let me think. No, uh, Edward Wettrick okay. uh, married my grandmother, who was her name was um, Catherine Schaefer, S-C-H-A-F-E-R. And there's still a lot of uh, 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 burial plots, um, headstones in the Madison area madison really? madison indiana yeah
0: i've been to madison uh-huh. it's a cute, well it's
1: a cute town it is and of course it's not really in madison if you as you leave madison and go up because madison sets obviously on the river as you go up there's a little area called china c-h-i-n-a <laughs> okay. spelt just like the country and that's where there's a lot of shafers that are buried and uh so is Ma- she buried there uh, no. Okay, okay. No. They they then at some point I don't know when moved there and, and some of my uh, some of my dad's brothers which have been my uncles I never knew uh, were born there in Madison mm-hmm. and others at some point they moved to Indianapolis and some of my uncles then and aunts were born in, in Indianapolis. So as you can imagine, a, a family of 14, my father was the youngest, and some of his oldest brothers, he really never knew very well because they were in World War I.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: my father was too young for World War I, and when World War II came around, he was too old. Yeah. <laughs> so he was in the gap there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, So I had <clears throat> three uncles. Uh, blood uncles, so to speak, that were all in World War One. Wow. Uh, one was in the Navy and two were in the Army.
0: Do you know what happened to them?
1: Uh, yeah, I knew all of them. I mean, they passed. Uh, I knew them all before they passed. Um, okay. But um, my uncle, uh, George, was stationed in uh, the state of Washington in a logging camp, U.S. Oh. Army. Okay. Uh, my uncle, Frank was in the Navy, and he was aboard the USS Texas, and I'm not sure where all it sailed. And my other uncle, Andrew, um, he was Army, but I don't know where he was stationed or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a family photo, which your mother has a copy of, as well as Uncle Don, has a family portrait of 10 of the kids and this was taken in I think 1918 and all of them, the story goes, they all made it home alive, the three brothers that were in the service. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother decided, you know, let's take a, let's take a, have a family photo taken. Yeah So it's my grandfather, which I never knew because he died in 1920. Okay. And my grandmother, is in the photo, obviously. She died in 1950. I didn't know her very well. And then. Because you
0: were born in 1942. 42. 42.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. So I was eight when she passed away. I do remember going to the grave for the funeral, cold winter day. It was yeah. in December. Oh, it was bitter cold. Yeah. Eight years old. I do remember that. But anyway, then the 10 kids and uh, the two oldest <clears throat> were never in World War One. they were older than the three brothers that were. And I know the one uh, had a physical, it wasn't a huge physical dif- disability, but enough that he did, was rejected. And then the other older one, who was Edward Jr., I don't know. And I never knew him either. Mm. He was the only, he died before I, in fact, he was. He died the year before I was born in 1941. And uh, uh, all the rest of them then I knew. But they were all older than my dad, and yeah. some of them then outlived my dad. Uh, they, they my dad just assumed my grandmother was 80, 88 or 89. okay. and so she, back then in 1950, that was you didn't see a whole lot of people living <laughs> yeah. that long. and my dad just assumed that that he you know was lived to a ripe old age but contracted cancer, and so uh-huh. he died at 72. but don't. Um, <clears throat> so, that's pretty much the Wetrick or Wedridge side. Yeah, if we pronounce it Wetrick, obviously, and it's spelled that way. On my mother's side, I don't have a lot of history. I do know that they were also immigrants. I think from Germany, and uh, my great grandfather on my mother's side was a gardener, okay. and lived on the south side of Indianapolis, which was just loaded with our, with gardeners. Okay, the, the south side of Indianapolis was heavily populated by germans and also many of them were gardeners not obviously all Mm -hmm. of them Um, and uh, my uh i guess before uh before that time uh before they had the gardens are i'm a little fuzzy on this i'm not sure but my grandmother was born and reared in Southern Indiana, Oh, right off of Interstate 65. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the name slips my mind. Anyway, she lived there and she was born, I think in 1884 or 85. and she would talk about getting in the wagon with her family and they would like make <laughs> like a Oh yeah, wow. wow. Uh, they make like a two mile trip to a nearby town. Uh, and it wasn't Seymour. it was in that area but there was some other towns there. I'm disappointed that I can't remember the name, and maybe it'll come up with me. If I could find a map, I'd show you exactly. Right, right, right. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, that was, you know, late 1880s. There was mostly horse and wagon. In fact, uh, anyway, at some point then, uh, they moved from that area in southern Indiana uh, up to the Indianapolis area, And I've got a picture at home of uh, where my mother uh, lived, and they had lived in several different houses, and they had an uncle that built houses, and he would build a home, and they would live in it, and for whatever reason, and my mother never knew, he would build another home, and they would move to it. (laughs) And I've got a picture at home of Madison Avenue in Southside, Indianapolis, uh, right now where Manual High School is located, and Madison Avenue was a dirt road. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So it's just been so much more developed. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Ward Manual High School is—it was, it was an open field. It was—it was a garden area. Oh wow! And my my grandfather didn't he he uh, drove a uh, a cheese wagon for what be, <laughs> what eventually became Kraft Cheese. It was some other name initially. And uh, Kraft Cheese bought out this company. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the name of it anything, But anyway, he would uh, deliver cheese on this horse-drawn wagon. Wow. Had ice on the wagon and so forth. And, of course, there was no such thing as refrigerators. Everybody had an ice box. Yeah. The ice man <laughs> would come around and put – it was setting on straw. This was before my time, and I, was, I grew up with an electric refrigerator. But uh, <laughs> they had ice that they would set in the top. Yeah. So anyway, but that's... Now, my grandmother's maiden name was Beinecke. Okay. Beinecke. And again, uh, hmm, I can't remember the name of that town. That bugs me. Um, It may come to me. But anyway, she married a Neeson, N-double-E-S-E-N, John Neeson. Okay. And uh, um, that was the gardener side. His... His father was a gardener on the south side of Indianapolis. In fact, where that area is, and I know because I've got some records, uh, of course, it's all homes now, older homes, in fact. I mean, they're not, they're not a new home subdivision. They are right were right at the edge of Indianapolis. Troy Avenue was the south edge of Indianapolis, and they were just north of that. So they were, by that standard, way south of central Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like 3,000 block. Oh, so wow. that was like three miles south of Washington Street, Indianapolis. <laughs> that was way far away. Yeah. Now it's nothing. But anyway, uh, so they they lived there, and, and they were Neeson, N-double-E-S-E-N. And, um, uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of history there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother had uh, sisters, and it was a fairly large family, too, and... Uh, I believe my grandmother was, she might have been the oldest, I'm not sure, but uh, she had sisters that married, uh, at least one for sure, that married other gardeners. And they had oh. gardens on the south side of Indianapolis hmm. uh, in the so- what is now the Southport area. Well, actually now it's Perry, Perry Meridian area, high school-wise, but Perry Township. But uh, they were all gardeners, and, of course, they're all gone now. They've all, all passed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, and this is kind of like just a relative connection I'm making. Mm-hmm. You said your grandma was born in 1980. No, no not
1: 19. 1885, 84? 84, 85, something like okay. that. I know right where the gravestone is. I think it's 85.
0: So she, she was growing up post-Civil War, right? yes. Did she ever talk about that? Did you ever ask her questions about that? <sighs> no, you know,
1: that's one of those things. It's and also I,
0: different being in the North, right?
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, I didn't ask about it. And, you know, right. that's one of those things where I've told your uncle and your mom both, boy, first questions that you want to know, now's the time to ask them. Yeah, Because, you know, <laughs> and I look back now and I thought, gosh, I wish I would have asked mom. Or mm-hmm. my mom had a sister, which was my aunt, Esther. You know, I wish, because she lived longer, she passed in 2000, and my mom passed in 1993. You know, certain things will come up, and I think, gosh, I wish I would have asked mom this or that. Yeah. And, but they don't occur to you when you're young. right? They just never do. As you get older, you start either as nostalgia or just start looking back and then start inquisiting about different things in your past, and that's the reason you're doing this, and yeah. that's good. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, there's things that I wish I would have asked, and, and I'm not sure what triggered that question, something you just asked me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I asked you if you'd ever asked her about yeah. living
1: in post-symptomal. Right, yeah. No, I didn't, and, and you know, I wish I would have, but see, uh, by 1865, you know, by, well, not by anybody's standards, 1865 to 1885—that's like a snap of the fingers. Twenty years is nothing, right? So I'm sure you know things obviously were much different. In fact, when my grandmother died in 1981, uh, and she was born in '85, so she was she was pushing a hundred, you know, yeah. not real close, but close enough. And I thought at the time, my goodness, all the changes that she has seen in her lifetime. Oh yeah. Well, I can look back now and all my parents would not believe, you know, what the situation is today. Yeah. And, you know, you guys probably can't understand, you know, the changes that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. In 79 years, there's been a lot. When I was in school, they were still selling uh, at grade school. You could buy a stamp that, that would after you collected so many stamps, you got a war bond. Now, World War Two was oh World War Two was over, yeah. but they were still supporting uh, the military, I guess, by doing that. And of course, World War Two—I was born in September of '42, and of course, we got into World War Two in December of '41. Yeah. So, uh, by the time I got to school, which was uh, well, grade school would have been 1948. They were still selling those. That didn't go on too much after that, but uh, just so many things, you know, that have changed naturally. I mean, change happens, and right. uh, the older you are, the harder it is to accept some of those changes because <laughs> you remember how it used to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, just a lot of change. And, yeah, and change now is happening more rap more rapidly than ever before. I think.
0: Yeah, so there there are two things I kind of want to ask questions about. But sure. Like first um because your parents grew up through the depression oh they 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 came up through the depression post-depression era right what was it like one being being their kid coming up through the depression and then two
1: basically coming to maturation post-world war ii you know, okay. do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you're saying. My dad was <clears throat> born in 1905 mm-hmm. and my mother in 1907, so she was basically two years younger. Um, they met at a, um, well, then they called it a haberdashery store, sold clothing <laughs>
2: okay.
1: uh, in uh, the Fountain Square area. Mm-hmm. And my mother went to high school in her freshman year that was also a high school and got sick right at the end of the school year. And when the fall came, she, she never went back. My mother never completed high school. Oh, wow. And cause she went to work and kind of supported the family. And, uh, uh, they were living there on Madison Avenue where I mentioned right across, it was a field then, but what mm-hmm. was, you know, now manual high school. Um, uh, but that's where they met. And my dad sold men's clothing and uh my mother said that you know he was very good at it when the depression came on uh he lost that job mm. and so my parents got married this was <laughs> a crazy story which well i don't know it's coming more true today than ever before they went together for 10 years before they got married they went together uh-huh. what do you mean well they saw each other they dated and oh, so forth okay now, my dad did complete high school. He went to Cathedral High School, which then was kind of like downtown Indianapolis. And uh, he, the, he grew up uh, what he called the old home place uh, on a street called Hartford Street, <clears throat> which was just um, north and east. No, basically just north of Fountain Square area. Mm-hmm. His father, my grandfather, uh worked at Eli Lilly and Company in what's what was then a lime house. And that's basically what killed him. He would walk to work to Lilly's plant there on McCarty Street, mm. breathing, not walking, but at work, would breathe all those lime yeah. dust.
0: And it killed him. It was lung cancer, right?
1: Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. They didn't call it that then. I don't know what they called it. But he died when my dad was 14, Oh man! So I never, obviously, never knew him. Right. But um, so you know, Dad finished high school and then he started to work, and that's when, of course, he met then my mother to be. So he graduated in '22, and they got married in 1933. Phew.
0: Why did they date so long?
1: Oh, uh, basically two different upbringings. My father family was Catholic. Yeah. Mother was Protestant. And back in the day, that was... Oh, a big no-no. Yeah. In fact, uh, no one came to the wedding. Yeah. My my aunt stood up for my mother, mm-hmm. her sister, and I'm not sure who stood with my father. Uh, they got married. That day Mm -hmm. which was june of 1933 i forget the exact date 17th i think they both went to their homes my dad went back they got married and went home yep okay and the next day they met at the bus station and took well it was a bus or train i'm not sure i think it was a bus and went to the chicago world's fair 1933. my mother was there at the bus waiting My dad was late, and she was just sure she was stood up. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) And she wasn't, but my dad was just late, which was pretty uncharacteristic of him. He was a very prompt person. Yeah. So I don't know. Which
0: is probably why it was cause for concern for her. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So so they got
1: married in 33. They got married in 33, and I was born in 42. Oh, my gosh. So they they were— How old were they? Well, uh, let's see. Let's do the math. Dad, <laughs> dad was, I think, 20, 28. Is that right? Uh, he was born in 07, and they got married in 33. So 10, 20.
0: So your mom, she she was born in 07. So she, if you were born in 42, yeah. she would have been 35? Yeah.
1: right. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Dad was 37. Wow. Yeah. So... That's uncommon back uh, well, in the day. And, you know, mom told the story, and obviously this was before my time, but after going together that long, my dad finally said, Emma, are we going to get married or not? <laughs> <laughs> mom was pretty, I wouldn't say she was reluctant. She was very cautious. Yeah. And again, you know, they both grew up pretty poor. Right. They, and it, which wasn't uncommon at the time. I don't think they knew they were poor. And obviously, by today's standards, they were dirt poor. But that was just very common at the time. And when you look at the mode of dress and everything back in the late, early 1900s, totally different. And I don't think people necessarily, you know, one closet would be all anybody would need for a whole family. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of clothes or shoes or that kind of thing. You had a Sunday outfit and you had a work outfit. Right. That was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, So. Everything was pretty austere, and uh, you know when the uh, when the depression come on, they got married just after the depression was over. So it was a pretty gutsy move, not only from the religious of point of view, but for the economy point of view. Mm-hmm. My dad, <clears throat> before they got married, uh, was working in Fountain Square at a mobile gas station, okay, and just tickled to death. And I think uh, I. Could be wrong on this, and there's nobody to correct me, so I'll go ahead and say it. I think it was like a dollar a week. Oh my gosh, is what he was working for. And tickled to death to have that. And of course, I don't think you know there there was bread lines certainly, yeah, but there weren't government help like there is today, yeah, you know. But there were bread lines and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, so yeah, it was it was. In a way, they were their own kind of pioneers. Not Other people that lived during that time weren't also. They really were. They had to improvise and make do with what you had. Yeah. So um, I was an only child, and my dad always said, because I guess I was easy to raise, I don't know. He said, gosh, if I'd have known it was this easy, we would have had another child. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, getting married later, because... In my mother, being the age she was, just everybody figured she was going to be an old maid. Right. Because people got married then much younger than what they do now. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon now for people to wait in the early 30s to get married, yeah, or later even. And back then, you know, 17, 18 was very common to be married.
0: Yeah, almost expected. Uh-huh, yeah. Right.
1: And, and, yeah, well, life expectancy wasn't anything. Right. Like, so, like I said, for my grandmothers to live as old as they were. Uh, see, my grandmother on my mother's side, uh, pretty sure it was 1885, and she died in 81. So she was 96 years old, all, thank, all because of modern medicine. And, of course, medicine wasn't near as modern as it is now, but she had those good genes, I guess. Yeah. And see, my father, grandfather died in 41. So, and she died in 81. She lived 40 years as a single woman. Yeah. Uh-huh. My, da- my grandfather, just before he died, and I don't know how many months this would be historical record, was on Social Security for just a few months before he died. My grandmother then got a very mere pittance. Of Social Security all the rest of her life, but I mean it was minimal mm. because you know he was only on it a few months before he died. <sighs> yeah. So, how did
0: you how did you meet Grandma? Kind of talk about that. Talk about your first memory of her.
1: Okay, sure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife to be uh, moved into the area that I lived on the south side of Indianapolis, from the east side Mm -hmm. in, I think, the fifth grade. Okay. And I was a W. She was an E. So we never sat close together in any of the classes. Uh, Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, High school, uh, I didn't particularly know her until uh, our junior year. Uh, A friend of mine who I'd grown up with in in grade school and then high school, uh, we double dated for the junior prom. Okay. (laughs) And so the summer between the junior and senior year is when I started dating your grandmother. Yeah. Uh, And then we went together during the senior year. And so that was my first. I I can, (laughs) for a long time, downstairs in the basement where I grew up, I had a ruler that inscribed on it with a pen, I guess. It was it wasn't an ink, it was scratched on there. Sue Ennis, her maiden name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I borrowed that from your grandmother several days in a row and she said, Here, just keep it <laughs> <laughs> And that was in grade school, not high school. Oh but wow. that was my really only recollection of her in school. And grade you kinda school. forgot about it. Oh sure. Sure. Wow. But I but I had that downstairs I guess, I think even during the high school years, it was just my dad had a great big workbench downstairs, um, which it was just down there for a long time. Hard telling whatever became of it. I don't know. I don't have it now. Right. But it was scratched on there, her name. So nobody else could have it. And then she gave it to me. Yeah. Got tired of of me borrowing it. Yeah. Here, take it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: so you... Was your first interaction with her was like a double date with a friend. Correct. What made you ask her?
1: I fell in love with her right away. <laughs> really? Okay, okay talking about She had such a great personality uh, and uh, very outgoing and so forth. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it just uh, I was attracted to her right away. Yeah. And we just always decided later it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> we really did. And we... Yeah. We feel that same way about your mother and your dad, yeah, as well as Uncle Don and, and Alicia. Yeah, we just felt like it was made to be. Uh, they, they both, they, they both married well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no,
0: most, most definitely. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: so. Oh, and y'all have been married how many years now? What year did you guys get married?
1: Fifty-seven. Been married fifty-seven <sighs> years. We
0: has it been fifties. 50- I remember your your fiftieth. Yeah, uh-huh. wow. that's that was
1: seven years ago.
0: I I keep thinking it was three. I keep thinking it was three like, years like, ago. You yeah, mean? Yeah, I, it doesn't
1: feel like that much of a yeah. Distant. Well, see there, you're beginning to sink into the idea. Wow, time does go quick.
0: Well, something that I continually run. So, one of the ways that I personally track my own history uh-huh. is by the twenty by 2016, because that was whenever I had my first knee surgery. Okay, and that's memorable it's very memorable but it it, it just was a whole it was a myriad of events and i for and it's kind of funny how i track it i track it by nba season oh because i remember okay 2016 lebron comes back from the 3-1 lead 2017 kevin durant joins the warriors 2018 kevin durant back to back on the warriors 2019 the raptors win the championship 2020 LeBron goes to the Lakers. The Lakers win the championship. Wow. And, and so that's kind of how I track half of high school into college because I remember specifically...
1: NBA events?
0: I, well, I, I just have to tie that back to the year because uh-huh. it's like, oh, well, like I remember this memory and this is generally what was happening. I was incapacitated because of my knee. What was that? Oh, I remember watching game seven of the finals. I remember watching the second game. Like, I'm able to like process all of that. Mm-hmm. And then looking back now that was almost 6 years ago but those memories are super vivid yeah sure super clear and yeah. for you you're able to be like oh yeah you know like 15 years ago when right. like for 15 years for me that was i yeah. was 5 or 6
1: right and right yeah well i um again it's probably an age thing but they'll just out of the blue, a song will pop into my head, yeah. and I'll start singing it. And I mean, it's from way, way back. <laughs> For me, it's a lot of fifties fifties <clears throat> music, and so forth, and sixties. But yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, certain things, and certainly about <clears throat> things that uh, uh, when your mother was growing up, and, and your uncle when they were growing up, certain things I remember from their childhood mm-hmm. that are just ingrained in your memory. Yeah. And uh, again as the older you get, you can recall some of those things much better than you can what happened last week. Yeah. <laughs> but that's an age thing. <laughs> so that's a that's
0: kind of touching on the music thing. One of mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to talk about was you have seen so many cultural changes through the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, then the 90s and then the 20s and 2010s now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just curious for your thoughts. There's part of me that's very curious specifically on the music aspect uh-huh. because now we're like, like we talk about rock and roll so easily, so flippantly, but I'll read journal articles and entries where it's newspapers talking about like this, this devilish music is inciting riots and violence within the children. And I'm just like, Oh, that's okay. I was listening to an interview with Ringo Starr uh-huh. and he was talking about when he was a boy he saw some kind of movie, and it had a song, not from Elvis, but it was a very early, like like late 50s, early 60s rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And I recognized the name when he said it, and I kind of like vaguely recalled a song. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's just like, you know, up-tempo music. He's like, we rioted. He's like, we tore it. We destroyed a theater because we were so enraged enraged yeah. by this rock and roll music and yeah. like whatever yeah. I like to me that's so bizarre yeah. but like you grew up through that you you saw all of that well, right, right just well, kind of talk about that right
1: Um, <clears throat> growing up in the 50s as I did obviously I was born and you know through the 40s but those years aren't as memorable because of age you know right. when, you're, when you're a little kid you just you're don't eight, necessarily yeah. recall those things but when you get into the 50s it's much more vivid And it was in my mind, and other people my age agree, (laughs) it was just a great time to grow up. Yeah. I mean, the World War II was over. Obviously, the Korean conflict, as they called it, they never called it a war. Yeah. But for those that served, it was war. Mm I think it was over in 53, I think. So it was just a real idyllic time to grow up. Yeah. Uh, It really was. I mean, it wasn't necessarily fast paced. Cars were in short supply after World War II. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tires during World War II were very hard to come by. Uh, Gasoline was rationed. Now, this isn't the 50s necessarily, but the late 40s. So uh, your grandmother's parents didn't have a car for a long time. They bought a used 1949 Chevrolet, and that was their first car. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, it was, I think they bought it off of a neighbor. Your grandmother could tell you for sure, but I think that's what she told me because I really didn't even know your mom then, but, uh, your grandmother. But, um, so it was, it was a very different time and, uh, uh pretty austere. And certainly the, the, um, the depression was well over, right. but we were recovering from World War II and then the Korean thing come along which wasn't as devastating as World War II, certainly, we weren't attacked, everything was offshore, but uh, uh, it was just a great idyllic time to grow up being the automobile person that I am, car manufacturers, uh, people then begin to have money Mm -hmm. and they were clamoring for cars and that was back when the cars basically in terms of design would run in two year increments Like a, of course, the first cars that were available were nineteen forty six, because they weren't built. Everything was uh, uh, pointed towards the war effort. Yeah. So there were nineteen. There weren't any nineteen forty five cars. The first cars were available were nineteen forty six. Thus, you know, your grandmother's parents didn't. Their their first one was of nineteen forty nine, but and that was used. But uh, everything was pointed then towards the consumer. They had some money. War was over. Korean War was over. They were wanting to buy cars, and they were in short supply. So the manufacturers, Ford, Chevrolet, Chrysler, were the big three, uh, would build cars like I'm most familiar with General Motors, but like a 46 and 47 Chevrolet looked identical. Oh, wow. As well as 48. It was three years, 46, 47, 48. Then in 49 and 50, same body style, very slight modifications. 51 and 52 looked identical. Okay. 53, 54 looked identical. And then all heck broke loose because, in, <laughs> in terms of Chevrolet, the 55 was radically different than the 54. The 56, like I have, was kind of a modification of the 55, but it looked totally different, different yeah. styling. 57, even more so. Yeah. 58, even more so. so it became
0: artistic. They,
1: right. They they started changing body styles year at a time. Now we're back to a time, or in a time, where all the cars kind of look alike anyway, because yeah. because of the aerodynamics. Yeah. And it's hard to tell one manufacturer from another. But anyway, those 50s, getting back to your original question it was just a good time to grow up. Yeah. It was really a good time to grow up. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. It was just, it was a great time and, and, uh, uh expenses were certainly nothing like my parents through, put me through college. I worked on campus for extra gas money and that kind of thing, but my parents were able, my parents both worked and, uh, uh, didn't certainly, neither one of them made a lot of money, but they, they were great savers. Living through the Depression, everybody that lived through that, uh, the great generation, well, that's not what Tom Brokaw called it, the, what Tom Brokaw called, called it, the the greatest, greatest generation, generation yeah. yeah. And they weren't part of that. They were born after that, basically, because uh, they were just a little too young for World War II. But anyway, they grew up under pretty austere conditions because of the um, uh depression and so forth, so they were great savers. Mm-hmm. and that's the way I grew up. I <clears throat> was blessed with two great parents, just wonderful people that you know put me through school. I never particularly wanted for anything, but I never had a lot. You yeah. know, I'd maybe get a toy at Christmas mm-hmm. uh and you know m- maybe some house shoes or something like that. I don't remember ever getting a whole lot. I had an uncle, aunt, and uncle, uh, my uncle Frank and his wife that would get me a toy at Christmas time. But uh, so anyway, they were able to pay for my college. And, wow. and uh, at that time, <laughs> I've got some of the I've got some <laughs> of the bills, some of the statements that my twenty dollars per semester. <laughs> my parents would, would uh, write a check. My mother would write a check. And I would take it to the bursar's office and pay my fees and uh, then I would get another bill for books and yeah. Probably twenty dollars would buy all the or less, would buy all the oh books I gosh. need. You know, maybe a textbook well, I bought a lot of used textbooks, so it might be a buck seventy five for a book. You know. <laughs> now they weren't medical books, I'm sure they or, were more expensive right, right. like your Aunt Alicia had to pay for and, and your sister. Yeah. But uh uh you know it was just totally different and of course then again this is for fast forwarding a little bit to my first contract which i signed in uh, february of 1964 mm-hmm. and i graduated then in june of 64 i signed for three thousand eight hundred dollars okay that was for the year and uh no th- three thousand nine hundred big difference because of negotiations before I graduate and before I start teaching, I got a $60 raise. Ooh. This is on the year now, $60 raise. <laughs> I thought, man, this is something I haven't taught a day in my life, and I already got a raise, $60. <laughs> so my first year, I earned $3,960. First year. But the dollar bought a heck of a lot more oh, than it oh, does today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gas was when I was in college uh gas was basically around wasn't even 35 cents a gallon oh my god no i think it was like 29 cents a gallon and at that time <clears throat> they would be gas wars and it wasn't a physical confrontation but one station would try to undercut the other mm-hmm. sometimes i bought it for 25 cents a gallon did anybody pay any attention to how many miles per gallon they got? <laughs> no. It was the farthest thing from their mind. They no. didn't care. It wasn't a big deal. Even though we didn't have a lot of money, it just wasn't expensive. Yeah.
0: Dang. Uh-huh.
1: So what did, and this is something in particular, like
0: what did, what did you think about the civil rights movement growing up?
1: Well, it was a very tumultuous time. Yeah. I mean, it was for obvious reasons. Um, Martin Luther King and his speech on the, on there in D.C., can't remember, was that on the... Uh, Lincoln
0: Memorial. Yeah,
1: I guess it was. I mean, l- filled with people and What so year forth. was that? I, I, I don't remember the specific. <sighs> I want to say 63. Okay. But don't quote me on that one. I, I can't. So you
0: would have been about 21.
1: Yeah. Do you remember um, him was,
0: giving it? Did you listen to it live? or?
1: Oh, no. There wasn't anything live then. Not on the
0: radio? It wasn't projected? Well, yeah,
1: it was probably on the radio, but no, I didn't hear it live. Okay. Uh, Did see it, you know, on a news broadcast. Okay. On my black and white TV. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and of course, I remember, and let's see, that, I'm trying to think chronologically, because President Kennedy was assassinated in 63. Mm. Lincoln was in 1863. That's way back. Uh, (laughs) But... Or was it 65? Right. Oh, gosh, I'm embarrassing myself. I should remember these, but I don't exactly. But um, so it was sometime after that that uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, of course, that speech and all that was ahead of that. And then there was the the uh, walk on that Edmund Pettison Bridge in, was yeah. that in Memphis or Birmingham? One or the other, you know, the big... Civil rights walk and so forth. Yeah, yeah, that was all well publicized and so forth. And uh, yeah, I remember all that all well. And but that that had to have been after '64 because I'm sure I married because I didn't have a black and a white TV when I was in college. I didn't have any TV. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, our first TVs were were uh, black and white. Our first getting off the subject. Our first color television. Uh, uh, your grandmother's grandparents gave us an old. Colored television. Oh, wow. And I remember my aunt that lived in the Garfield Park area, if you know where that is. She had, and this hadn't been probably early 50s, she had a round screen black and white TV, but she had a piece of cellophane that had colors on it that she put over the screen. What? To (laughs) make it look like color. Were the colors that started? Oh, sure. Did they match skin tones? Of that no, kind? no. Not at but all. But it looked like you were seeing a color TV. It just added some flavor. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Again, I guess the changes I've seen. Yeah. 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 In 79 years.
0: So you were saying about the civil rights movement, it was tumultuous. Yeah. But what, like, how, how, because also one of the things my mom talked about was, um, she grew up what was it called? Um I forget the word. Integration? Was it integration where they were taking kids from the black kids from the inner right. city right. and spreading like that's just kind of like completely in, in my mind, like that's not something that like like that's just more normal, I guess, in today's society and culture. Was that like a really weird cultural shift, because like the color barriers were much harder sure, growing up. it for was
1: you know. in Indianapolis. Uh, there was one all black high school, Christmas Attics High School. Okay, and uh, in I'm thinking 1984. It probably happened a little earlier than that because it was a slow process. A guy named S. Hugh Dillon was a federal judge in Indianapolis. And these kinds of things were happening all over the country, but Indianapolis was then affected, <clears throat> basically by some things. They brought a lawsuit, is what it amounts to, and that Judge Dillon ruled that the schools had to be integrated. Mm. So, uh,
0: were people upset about that?
1: Oh yes, yeah, because uh, white flight, so to speak, if you're familiar with that term, no. were people left the central city and moved to the suburbs. Suburbs were all predominantly white. Mm -hmm. Central city was becoming predominantly Predominantly black. Black, Not totally, by any means, but totally. Not totally, but more predominant. Uh, And so uh, the judge, in his ruling, in many ways, did a disservice to the black students Mm. because they had to get on the bus and travel way out of their district To some outlying school. Yeah. And in the case of your mother and Uncle Don, they were in Perry Township, which was a suburban school. They also not only integrated uh, the students, they made some of the black teachers move to the suburbs. Oh, wow. And so the Indianapolis schools could pick certain teachers to be moved. Oh, wow. Guess who they picked? Yeah. The weakest teacher. No. Oh. Way, way oh. Before. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the Indianapolis schools, you know, would pick out some black teachers who really didn't particularly measure up and move them to the suburban schools. Mm. So, especially in your, your uncle's case, Don, he had a teacher who he couldn't understand very well. She had a lot of black lingo, so to speak, mm. and would pronounce, in fact, his name, instead of being Donnie, when she would call on him, it was always Dunny. Dunny. <laughs> okay. And when it, your uncle was always a great speller. I mean, he just come naturally for him. He could yeah. spell well. And when she would recite spelling words, he would miss some because she, even though he knew the words, he thought she was saying something different. And so he'd tried to sound them out uh, and he'd get them wrong, of course. <laughs> so, I mean, that was some of the struggles that they went through. Um, and, and they weren't all black teachers that were moved, but because there was some white teachers they moved, because that they didn't make any of the white students moved into the inner city. They moved the black yeah. students to the suburbs. So they're the ones that had to get on the they're bus. They're the ones being inconvenienced. They got on the bus at 6.30 in the morning, in the dark, And come way out to some suburban school. So it affected all the surrounding areas. Uh, You're not as familiar, but Perry Township, Franklin Township, Warren Township, Washington Township, Pike Township, Wayne Township, Decatur Township. Those were all the donut schools, so they didn't call them that. But they were the township schools. Yeah. And I can't remember now what year it was, but... uh, uh, mayor Luger, gosh, I forgot his first name, before he became a senator, was mayor of Indianapolis, and okay. he's the one that instigated through the state legislature, Unigov. Mm. And that's where instead of being the central city, which like on the south side ended at Troy Avenue, south of Troy Avenue become Perry Township, it then took in all of Marion County. Mm. The schools were still allowed to be separate, Thank goodness, because IPS couldn't administer their own school very well, let alone adding all these other ones. But uh, Unigov then made, at that time, it made Indianapolis, I think, the 11th largest city in the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it basically, like, artificially boosted its... Okay. It, it's population. Yeah. Right. And of course they got additional government funding because of, of course. I mean the man was very smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course he became United States Senator. And he was a good man. He didn't he didn't do it uh maliciously. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He done it for the good of the city. Yeah. You know, because he knew there'd be additional funding and just give Indianapolis a higher profile. Yeah. Which, you know, we were just kind of a podunk city in the central part of the United States. Uh I won't go into current politics, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, that's that's really interesting because, like, wow. Just to think of, like, all the change that has happened with Indy and how it's grown. Right. That's, and, and then even now, it's become even more modernized, weirdly. Sure. Like, like, Uncle Don likes to talk about it as, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, Indianapolis is a hipster bike town now, and that's just really funny to me to have that in the middle of mm-hmm. you know whenever you say indiana people are like oh like boring flatlands and then suddenly there's a cultural epicenter or whatever mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah they've created a lot of bike lanes and so forth they, even in our small area of greenwood they've done a lot of modifications on the streets and so forth, creating a jogging walking bike lane uh set aside to the right cuts down the vehicular traffic because they've taken a lane away uh, so not necessarily everybody's happy about it <clears throat> in Indianapolis it's not quite the same yeah. because they have wider streets but Greenwood is is uh, you know it's an old old city yeah and the streets were narrow and and uh, now become more narrow because a lot of the old buildings have been modernized but they haven't widened the streets they couldn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. anyway yeah so, but yeah a lot of changes
0: a lot of changes. Um, so yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Grandpa, thank you so much for being willing to do this. I feel like this has turned out really well. Um, do you have anything you want to say before you leave? Any advice, any Uh, closing
1: thoughts? Well, no, I guess maybe as a closing thought, just enjoy life one day at a time. Yeah. Because, uh. I'm certainly not ready for the end, but you know it's obviously much closer than years ago <laughs> <laughs> just by my age alone. But uh, yeah, just smell the roses. Yeah. And that's something that I didn't do as a younger person particularly. Uh, again, because of the way I grew up, pretty austere in, in terms of saving and so forth. Uh, I guess I have what I have today because we live that way. Of course, right. as a teacher you didn't make a lot of money to begin with. And your grandmother worked uh, initially until she started having a family. And then she didn't work until I think your uncle was about nine or 10 when she went back to work. So um, we lived very close to the vest and always saved. Saved, 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 because that's the way I grew up. And your grandmother wasn't necessarily grown didn't grow up that way but they just didn't have a lot to save mm-hmm. yeah so forth so certainly plan ahead yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> but cer- enjoy the moment certainly save for the future uh because all of a sudden it's i wouldn't say it's gone but it it moves very rapidly yeah yeah and that's like my only advice i guess i could give
0: no that's really good that's i i, I could certainly benefit from saving a bit more um But yeah, thank you so much for being on here. Um, Thank you guys for listening and sticking through this. Um, This is part of, not sticking through this. That makes it sound like this is bad. Um, (laughs) I don't don't mean that. Torture. (laughs) (laughs) I mean just listening and enjoying it. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out. This is part of my 2022 series where I'm trying to upload more frequently. And so if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out the other ones. And uh, yeah, thank you so much.